The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you living a wellness lifestyle? What could it do for you? Join us today on the Wellness Lounge a step further and see how our guests and direction can inspire you to self-empowerment through a wellness lifestyle. Now, here is the host of the Wellness Lounge a step further, Desiree Watson. Thanks for joining us again. And as always, I am so humbled uh, with all of uh, you that are listening in from around the world and uh, love to, again, thank uh, the listeners and France and Spain and China, Thailand, uh, Canada, I can go on, Germany, and listen, if I missed you this week, I will definitely get you (laughs) next week. So, uh, again, thank you. We are uh, just about to speak to, I think, an amazing guest. I'm so in awe of her and can't wait to have uh, you all... uh, listen to Ms. Benilde Little. But before that, I'd like to just let you know uh, who we are. Uh, If you don't know, we're Wellness Interactive. Our signature brand is the Wellness Lounge, and uh, our program here is a step further. We believe that uh, we are taking it a step further. We are speaking to uh, guests that um, are empowering us to do more and take it a step further. And guess what? Some of the guests, they may live right next door to you, and you have no idea all the amazing work that they're doing. So say hello to a neighbor sometimes. (laughs) But uh, on that note, we're at 14 South Orange Avenue in South Orange, New Jersey. And, of course, you can find us on uh, social media, Facebook, uh, of course, uh, Twitter and Pinterest and Instagram. And we love to have you listen in on taking it a step further. So we are speaking to Benilde Little, who is the best-selling author of the novels Good Here, The Itch, Acting Out, and Who Does She Think She Is? She has been featured in the New York Times, the Washington Post, Essence, A Jet, People Magazine, Heart and Soul, More Magazine, among many others. She has had numerous media appearances, including NPR, The Today Show, and Tavis Smiley. The Go On Girl Book Club selected Good Here as the best book of the year. Natalie Cold bought the film rights. Oh, awesome. I love it. Awesome. (laughs) Benilde's writing has appeared in numerous anthologies, including Honey Hush and About Face. She was a finalist for an NAACP Image Award. Oh, incredible. I love it. A former reporter for the Cleveland Plain Dealer, the Star Ledger, People, and Senior. I, I can go on, I, but I, I can't wait for her to also tell the story. But she uh, was also a senior editor at Essence. She has been a creative writing professor at Ramapo College. She lives in Montclair, New Jersey with her husband, 
and two beautiful children and a dog. We love you. I have a dog. <laughs> but Nildi, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, I'm so excited thank you about for having me. all of what thanks we're going to talk Thanks for having about. me. I'm so excited to talk to you all. Oh, great, great, great. So let's just um, uh, jump right in. Let's delve right into uh, this amazing book uh, that you have just written. And, of course, you've written quite a few. I just want to um, just uh, ask uh, uh, you to really take us back for a moment uh, to your childhood, because your writing is just, uh, it's amazing, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Did you have that closeness to uh, writing or becoming, or that vision of becoming a, you know, this journalist in this space mm-hmm. that you are now? Did you, did you have that uh, thinking mm-hmm. uh, when you were young, that when I grow up I want to be a writer? Not at all. Not oh. at all. I was one of those children, I had no idea what I wanted to do or be. What I was really in touch with was that I was very emotional and that I lived in, in my head a lot. And now you would say I was creative, but I didn't know what that was. I was very happy spending time alone in my room you know, on a Saturday when it was just a clear day, I didn't have to go to school, and I didn't have to, you know, be with a lot of kids. Right. And I, I was just sort of like, you know, I was, you know, and now all the stuff is coming out about introverts and extroverts, and I'm literally like half and half. Like, you know, so, <laughs> I love it. Right, right. You know, so I can, you know, you do these tests, and it's like, you know, how many on, and it's like, you know, slightly more on the introvert side. And so by Friday, you know, I'd be overwhelmed with being in school all day and be with people all day. And so I would, I remember being at breakfast on a Saturday and sitting in my, you know, in my kitchen with my brothers and, you know, like, like in my seat, like itching, like they couldn't wait to go outside and play baseball and basketball and all that stuff. And I just wanted to go upstairs and, and make up stories. But again, I didn't write them down. I would, right. them and I would play them out with my dolls. So, oh, wow, which is, you know, oh, gosh, I think that's beautiful, actually. That's what, I used to do. that's what I used to do. And so, you know, when you get to be, like, 17, you're senior high school, and, you know, you're with your guidance counselor, it's like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know, you know. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, I lived in a space, you know, with my mom and my dad, but it was, you know, my mom who was in charge who let me be, who didn't say, right. you've got to figure this out right now. You know, it was like, right, you got to right. go to college, but you can, you know. She gave it's so me the important, you know, to have parents that, uh, in your words, let you be. I love that, you know. Right, Sometimes exactly. we, we have parents, we can have parents that want us to be them or want us to do or, or be something that we Absolutely. cannot. You know, it's, it's yep. our experience that we should embrace. So um, when you speak about your parents uh, in your book, oh, my gosh, it's it's. I, I love this book so you all are listening and uh, <laughs> listening uh, at, toward the end. Uh, Benildi will definitely tell you how you can uh, find this book because I think uh, you'll absolutely love it. Um, I want to just speak about your mom just for a moment. Did uh, when you were growing up, though, I, I I'm hearing uh, from you all these. Uh, uh, special, I think it was a special time when you could mm. go upstairs and then play with your dolls and, and create your own stories. Mm-hmm. How much of uh, your mom, uh, how much influence did your mom have in just being able 
to create your own space in your head. And in, mm-hmm. in other words, uh, I think if you, you or any of us were in a uh, challenged environment, I don't know that the stories would have been as uh, nice and, and mm-hmm. you, you're so I don't know that the, the stories would have been as great if you didn't have the influence of a parent mm-hmm. as part of that story. Does that make sense mm-hmm. to you, you know? Mm-hmm. Does that make any yeah. sense at all? And I, I think, you know, that's why I wrote so much about her in this book, because it's so much who I am is so much because of her. Because of and, her. Yeah. And, it, and, you know, as you saw in the book, I mean, I had a different mother than my brother, who is seven right. years older than me? You know, a totally different mother. Right. She was different. She was really young when she had him. She was thirty-three when she had me. Uh-huh. When those years, we change a lot. We grow up, and we, you know, we become who we are going to be. And, and you know, and so she had a lot more wisdom by the time. And I just, I benefited from that. You know, excellent. Um, right. Yeah. And and she wanted a girl. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> She wanted she was you know, prepared for you. Child. Listen, if I had been a boy, after three boys, I'm sure we wouldn't be on the phone right now. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. So um, I want to read um, a passage uh, from your book here, or it's, it's almost, uh, I think it's a couple of paragraphs, but um, I, I think uh, because uh, every day as women, we empower communities, really. You know, it's that whole saying, educate a woman, you educate a community. But it's also women empowering women and women, you know, raising children, but also raising amazing sons. So everybody's in the mix there if you're a woman. So to uh, uh, uh to this point, I, I would just like to go back for a moment uh, where you're speaking about um, a classmate from many years ago, and I think uh, it was a little challenging uh, for you um, when you were a child uh, going to school and being bullied. But let me pick this up here. It says, um, what I do remember vividly is that 28 years later, I was entering Unity Church one Sunday morning. I had on clogs, a fur jacket, and a polyester maternity top. Although I recently given birth, although I recently given birth to Ford, there were a few members standing at the entrance greeting people. A woman said, "Hi, Benildi." I thought it was strange because I didn't attend church often enough for anyone to know me by name. And then she said. She wanted to talk to me after service. I said, okay, though I had no idea who the woman was. I sat in my seat searching my mind for who she might be. I have an exceptional memory for faces, but I kept drawing a blank. When she came up to me after the program, she said, do you remember me? I looked into her eyes, and suddenly it all came back. Yes, I remember, I said. Before I could say anything, Kim said, I just want to say that I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was young and dumb. I was astounded. I half (laughs) expected Oprah to come from behind a curtain. Do you forgive me, she said. I looked at her. Her sincerity was evident, and I said, of course. She was tall, a good two or three inches taller than my five foot six. She asked if we could hug, and I said yes. We both had tears in our 
on her cheeks. At that moment, I told myself that her apology was for all of the girls who had ever bullied, been bullied. I, I, I tear up myself, who had made so good a waking nightmare. Oh, Benildi, I love your writing. This is absolutely just, oh, it, this, to me, young people that are going through oh, that space that you went through many years ago, and just to have someone walk up to you in church to apologize. Can we talk just for a moment about that space when you were um, young and oh, you were man. being bullied? Because I still think it's so empowering um, to also have parents or have that m- the mother who um, in, in, embraces your experience as a child, but r- at the same time, she's really directing and, and supporting, you know, pushing you forward, letting you know what you have to do uh, uh, to basically find your space. Tell, right. me, tell us about that experience being bullied and how your mother uh, really um, gave you strength or empowerment. Well, I have to say, and, and you know, it was it was just awful. And in, in writing this book, people have been asking me now, like, how hard it must have been hard. You know, how hard was it? You know, because a lot of it is about losing my mom and her death and everything. But I have to say, in in, in when I was in editing uh, of this book. Reading the stuff about having been bullied was just really hard. And, oh, my gosh. You know, and I'm talking right. about 40 years ago now, you know, starting, for, you know, it was about 40 mm-hmm. years ago. And, and uh, you know, it was like every day. And it was from wow. about sixth, sixth grade. It started about sixth grade, and it went into early high school. And so you, you go to school every day with a knot in your stomach. That's what happened. And, right. you know, it was like, um, wow. You, you, and I think, you know, I think that I, I carry like a lot of tension in my neck and my shoulders. Mm-hmm. And I think, and it's like chronic. I, I'll right. go to a massage, I'll go to a chiropractor, whatever. And they're always like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> you are, and I am, I am convinced. Actually, one time I did go to a woman who was, a, was sort of an intuitive too. And she was, when I was, when I was pregnant and she said, she asked me if I had been bullied and she said, something. Oh, really? She said, something's coming through that happened to you around age 14. And that was the only thing I could think of at 14. Wow. And it, yeah. So it was, it, it, it was, it was really formative and it was really painful. And I just didn't understand, you know, because mm-hmm. I was this nice, you know, warm, you mm-hmm. know, at that point, happy person. You know, but in mm-hmm. retrospect, that's what the problem was. You know? Right, exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, but exactly, that's what the problem yeah, was. Yeah, that was what the problem was. And I didn't understand that. I didn't understand that I was, you know, g- going to school now. My neighborhood had changed, and the kids who came in came from less um, means. And believe me, we were not at all you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, wealthy or even close. Right. Um, but, but I do understand relative, what you're saying, though. You know, but um, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. you know, it's two parents in the home, you know, that. Right. Exactly. Different. You exactly. know, we went to little tiny vacations in the summer. I went to camp. You know, those little things that sort of middle class people take for granted mm-hmm. wasn't, I wasn't around kids who had that experience. Right. So I, I parents nurturing 
good communities, good family, you know, all of that. I think people, yeah. parents love, or I always think or, or say, and statistically sometimes it's, uh, you know, it, it's it's really uh, written where they speak about parents loving their families. And they love their children, but they love the idea of community and family. Mm-hmm. Every parent wants the same thing for their child. That, you know, they right. want to love them. They want them to have a good education, but not every parent a great family and communities. And so when mm-hmm. you, you you were in the middle of that uh, challenge or having it, uh, it, it break at some point with new people coming into the community where their parents were not doing what your parents were doing, right. uh, I, 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 when I read that uh, you walked in the door and you said to your mom, Mm-hmm. Uh, the kids don't like me, you know, mm-hmm. the kids don't like, that is so, I, I think, uh, uh, probably every parent's, uh, worst nightmare, but your mom right. so eloquently said, you know, <laughs> right. tell, us, tell us what she, she said to you when, uh, yeah, you spoke to her about yeah. that. My mother was always, you know, working and she, she, you know, she's either working at her job or she was cleaning like a mad woman. Of course, in, in retrospect, I think that was how she dealt with her anxiety and sort of worked through problems. But she's scrubbing the floor on her hands and knees, you know, with a scrub brush. And she looks up at me. And at this point, this has been going on for a while, this bullying. And she's kind of getting sick of it. And she looks <laughs> They're just jealous. Yes. Yes. And it, that's just... Oh. So powerful because right now that's what a lot of parents speak about today. Yeah, but it wasn't. It didn't. It didn't resolve anything. Right. It didn't. (laughs) It didn't make any sense. It's like, what are they jealous of? You know, they all have like, you know, wet look jackets from learners. Right. You know, and you won't let me have that kind of stuff. You got me going to school in these like corny clothes, (laughs) and you know, which were like sort of traditional looking clothes. Yeah, very preppy. I love that. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and and that was a practical matter. My mother was practical, so you bought those clothes once or twice a year. They lasted forever. They they lasted until you outgrew them. You know, they didn't wear out. Exactly. (laughs) You know, and so a lot of stuff that she did could seem like, you know, some kind of pretentious statement or something, but it was not at all. You know, my mother no, it was real. Nothing, you know, was- and she, I mean, what was interesting, too, about the bullying, she could not understand it. I mean, she understood the jealousy thing, but she didn't, she didn't understand, because she, if anything, she was on the other side of that, because right, exactly. I don't know if I put the story in the book, her father had died young, I mean, when they were young, so my grandmother's raising all these kids by herself, and back then, you, you were, if you were on relief, which she was, which is welfare mm-hmm. now, but relief back then, you got your clothes from a certain place, and, and they only had like four or five colors. So yeah, everybody knew mm-hmm. that you were on relief, and so she yeah. and her siblings would always be fighting because they were being made fun of. You know? Right, so, exactly. Oh right, my gosh, so for, Oof. I can't right, wait so to hear her. more about uh, your experience. And uh, we're going to break for a commercial for a moment, but we're speaking to uh, the amazing writer Vanildi Little. Uh, she's just written a book. Welcome to my breakdown, and we're going to engage with her. 
Uh, oh gosh, we we still have you know another forty minutes. I'm so excited. Uh, thank you. Stay with us. We'll return in a moment. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. Domestic violence and abuse are experienced by both men and women in everyday life. If you have experienced abuse, know that you're not alone on your journey. Listen for Abuse Survival Stories presents I Reclaim My Voice with co-hosts Reese Zigazaga and Denise Watkiss. We'll speak with survivors who have emerged safe and victorious and who are passionate about helping others reclaim their voices. Tune in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Spiritual transcendence unfolds when we fully align with body, mind, and soul. Then, transcend darkness into light. Each week, make transcendence, wellness through awareness, part of your life. Join host Jessica Allstrom and her guests as we explore your spiritual education and powerful tools in order to help you live your most joyful and prosperous life. You'll want to be here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You're tuned in to the Wellness Lounge a step further with host Desiree Watson. To find out more about our programs, please visit our website at www.wellnessinteractive.com. That's wellnessinteractive.com. Now, back to the show. Thanks for joining us again. We're speaking with Benildi Little. She is uh, the author of many great books, but... uh, she has just released a, a new book, uh, Welcome to My Breakdown, and we've been speaking with uh, Benildi about her uh, life experience. And um, as you often hear me say, the navigation process that we all take on ourselves, what, what does that look like? What does that blueprint look like for us? No one else is doing it. <laughs> it's us who create our own uh, blueprint uh, for life, and so I'm glad that uh, Bill uh, Benilde is enlightening us on uh, her whole experience uh, as uh, a young person. And uh, I'm hoping now that we could also speak, uh, Benilde, about some of the many great books that you have written. Uh, she's an excellent author, so uh, tell us more about some of the other books, if you don't mind. Um, it's obviously the most recent, Welcome to my breakdown, and we'll get back to that. But there's another uh, couple of books. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Who does she think she is? Uh, mm-hmm. Tell us more about some of the books that you've written and why. And to me, it, it presents a, a legacy for yourself, uh, but how does that look for, uh, if you're looking in the future, how does that look for your grandchildren and your children mm-hmm. when they think of you? And, and how do, how, what do you want them to receive from this? 
That is so interesting. I've never thought about, you know, the legacy of the books to my children or my grandchildren. I've never thought about that. But I, it'll be great that they have that they have it, that they have those parts of me, um, and they're huge parts of me. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the first, the first novel was huge. I mean, it just became this big, uh, a big book, meaning it was a, a bestseller. It was everywhere. There was lots of attention, um, which totally took me by surprise. You know, writers really? for the most part don't write, um, certainly non-genre writers and non-genre, <laughs> you know, are mystery right. and, um, romance don't, don't write. So much for an audience, you know. You write for yourself. You write the book you want to read, and so the first yes, was really what what I wanted to, to say about social class among African Americans. Mm-hmm. A because I knew that that story. This was in uh, the mid '90s. It came out in the mid '90s. I wrote it late '80s, early '90s, and because I knew, other than the Cosby Show, and then the show that the spinoff, uh, Different World, there really were not images of these people, these sort of upper income and, you know, the sort of divide in the, in the, um, in the zeitgeist, in the general media. And I knew that I, I I knew that these people were invisible and I Mm -hmm. wanted to talk about that. I wanted to sort of introduce this, but I wanted to talk about the sort of things that people do to each other who are from different strata. And right. It, it bothered me. You know, it bothered me. I didn't, again, going back to my childhood, I didn't understand that some of that was, you know, cast, which is was so ridiculous because I'm talking, you know, <laughs> 50 cent more than the right. <laughs> You know, we're not talking like we had a private jet. As right. Else, you know, it was right commercial. I mean, we're talking, you know. So, um, and then when I got to Howard University, um, which is a you know a, a black college that was uh, you know the first it was 1856 and it, it's a big you know um, mm-hmm. university people come from all over the country all over the world and lots of those people are legacy lots of those people have right parents grandparents great grandparents who mm-hmm. were college educated and and also and and oftentimes professional schools so doctors lawyers and all that right so I get there. And I was just amazed. I'm thinking I'm going someplace and everybody's going to be cool and everybody's <laughs> kumbaya and, you know, and it wasn't, it, you know, I mean, some yeah. of it was, you know, I certainly had my community, but it was not this uh, panacea. And so, you know, to my, you know, childhood, you know, that where I didn't feel a part of um, a community later in life, once my, later in my childhood, but. So, so you grabbed, like when you that. were, when you, Got to Howard, uh, did it become clear that, you know, the different, um, I, I don't know, I, I think Howard is still pretty much like you've described it as well, you know, mm-hmm. all of the, mm-hmm. it, 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 all of the, I guess, the upper middle class African Americans, mm-hmm. or people that come from all over the world, to your point, mm-hmm. um, it, it, but, you know, the world has changed, and societies have changed, and it's not the uh, uh, wealthy, what we thought mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. perceived right. to be wealthy many years ago, the lawyer, the, the doctor. Mm-hmm. There are uh, African-Americans uh, just, oh, my gosh, they're, they're doing so much in the world, and they mm-hmm. have various, as you know, various uh, uh, professions. And 
I still think sometimes uh, holding on to that whole legacy mm-hmm. of my dad mm-hmm. was a doctor, lawyer, and mm-hmm. you know, upper middle mm-hmm. class, it can sometimes stifle a person yes. as well, a young mm-hmm. person as mm-hmm. well. So mm-hmm. thinking of what you just said about you, your own community, were you able to create your own presence based on, I think, the amazing foundation that your parents gave you? Were you mm-hmm. able to just walk through, create your own community, and not think so much about um, the presence of uh, you know, the upper middle class, all of that? How was it for you? What was the experience? Eventually, I was. Oh, okay. But in, but initially, I was intimidated. Well, because I was surprised first, and then I was intimidated. I was like, "Oh, right, God. yes, yeah." Was, so many people like, say I that we because were, we were it's, it's a legacy. And, yeah, and it was like, "Oh God, we were like, you know." And 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 some people, not all, obviously, but some people, right. like you're saying, you know, it it, it becomes their uh, identity, and and then becomes this sort of like I'm better than you. Right, right, right. That part, I I hearken back to who I was, and it was like, uh, no, you're not. You right, know? right. Um, you're so empowered, yeah. And yeah. your your so mom was, gave you that. Yeah, I parents. was. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And so once I was real clear, became clear about you know who I was and where I came from. Yeah, I made lifelong friends there who had come for the most part. Um, from similar backgrounds, not from geographical or anything like that, but, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the same kind of, um, you know, parenting came from the same kind of parenting style that, that I came from. So, yes, um, which is so yeah. important. So mm-hmm. uh, parenting styles, let's speak about your two <laughs> for a moment, if you don't mind. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's great, I think, having a boy and a girl, but you know, if you have two girls, two boys, uh, mm. it might be also a little easier. But I think it's amazing when you have mm. both. So yeah. is it when, – when you speak about your books, is this uh, experience or writing or the, these experiences you can have reading the, the books, would this be something – uh, would the experience be something that your children would be able to relate to by reading? Not because they've mm-hmm. lived it, I get that, mm-hmm. but would they be able to relate to it? Because I want my girls to read all of your books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want them to read all of the books. We, we of course, may have to have many discussions, but mm-hmm. how does that fit into um, the world of your, your children, or even mine, or children today, mm-hmm. that may not... Uh, look back, because I think that's uh, something that's challenging for all of us. Uh, Our Mm -hmm. kids don't seem to know or understand what our parents and our grandparents have gone through and -hmm. what their legacy represents for us. You know, that's so Mm -hmm. powerful. I think we're skipping it with our kids, and I don't really know. Mm -hmm. A lot of us don't know how to get back to it. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I had the answer to that. You know, all I I can do, we were talking about this yesterday, my brother was here, that – uh, oh, I was saying that a friend of mine who's an older woman and who's Japanese-American, you know, read the book, and she, she called me, and she was like, wow, how did you – how where did this wisdom come from in terms of shoring your kids up? And that's – I believe in that. And what yes. I – you know, she was, she was referencing the fact that my kids have always had um, people who look like them taking care of them. So I'm talking about doctors, their pediatricians, right. their dentists, mm-hmm. their – you know, 
uh, some of their teachers, obviously not not even most of their teachers, but P, I've, I've been conscious uh, about who I've had, what kinds of spaces I've put them in. Uh, obviously, not all of those spaces they've accepted. Some of them, you know, the, the being you know doctors and all that stuff, or you know, they're kind of oblivious to. But you know, my daughter, who's twenty has a better sense of um, of some of that than my son. But they're both in terms of race, in terms of, um, well, you know, I, my son, um, in terms of race and socioeconomic background, is completely oblivious. And when I try to have conversations with him, engage him, he's like, none of that matters, you know. And, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, he just uh, he's just like, it doesn't matter. And as a matter of fact, some of the stuff, when I try to put him in spaces where um, kids look like him and have um, similar socioeconomic background, he pushes back. He feels like that's, you know, it, he can make his own friends. Mm-hmm. And um, and he has a large group of great, you know, boy pals that he's had, some of them since kindergarten. And, you know, I was mm-hmm. looking at them, a whole bunch of them were here on Friday. They converge on the house after school. And, you know, they're 14, so some of them are, like, really tall. Some of them haven't grown yet. And they're this, you know, m- you know, Jewish and, you know, Irish mm-hmm. and... Yeah, uh, so diverse. I love that. Yeah, a wasp and, you know, one yeah. one other African-American boy. And Ford, that's just what Ford knows, and that's what Ford is comfortable with. And, you know, and he's real clear on his friends or people who are nice to him and he, who he likes to be with. Oh, know? I love it. And that's beautiful. I mean, that's, that's real. It's absolutely yeah. real. Yeah. Uh, so it, whenever it, I, uh, if I, mm-hmm. I remember when he was going into middle school and he had no black friends, and I was like, and he was, he was talking about this boy, Nick, who was a new friend, and, and you know, so then, you know, I asked him, if, and he asked him if Nick was black or white. He was like, why does that matter? <laughs> so months later, Nick shows up. Well, his mother brings him over for a sleepover, and Nick was biracial. <laughs> so, and the mother was black, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so shocked, you know. And she said, I am too, you know, that you're black. And it was like. You know, our kids just don't. They just doesn't matter. No, I think I was speaking with with my daughter about diversity at one point, saying, oh, you know, don't forget diversity. What about diversity? And she said, are you kidding, Mom? I'm the most diverse kid in my school. You know, Chris Mm -hmm. is is Filipino and and, uh, uh, Emily is is Wasp. And uh, and she went on to say Paloma's Puerto Rican and this one's, uh, you know, Asian and and Italian. And and then she said, and Jake is gay. So she says, I don't, I I can't get any more diverse than that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I thought it was really beautiful. And so it's like leave them in their space. They're navigating their own blueprint that's real for them in mm-hmm. this world right now. So that's mm-hmm. that's quite amazing. Well, hats off mm-hmm. to Ford. <laughs> so <laughs> do you think then in the future you would um, write about the experiences that your children are having in, well, obviously you're in their space, but you're not necessarily writing about their experience because they would be writing about it, but the experiences you're having with them on uh, everything, you know, race, uh, all of this. Mm-hmm. Do you think you would mm-hmm. write a book uh, like that in the future? Uh, because I, most I'm of sure the- I, I, 
I'm sure I will because I've been living this. This has been the reality for, you know, uh, well, Baldwin's 20 and Ford's 14. And um, the book that I'm working on now uh, has uh, something to do with um, the intersection of uh, race and uh, romantic partners. So now that my daughter's older, you know, she's you know, in that space now. And, um, you know, the whole notion of kind of arranged marriage, um, Mm -hmm. literally, but, you know, sort of matching up. Yes. You know, know, that has actually been on the table. I mean, that has actually been some, you know, she, she met a Jack and Jill boy and they had this, you know, big, lovely romance. And, you know, the mom and I were, like, literally, like, okay, you know, sort of plotting this thing out. Yes, yes. (laughs) Yeah. So the novel that I'm working on now, that's sort of the backdrop. What happens is, you know, when I I love it. Right. I'll start from something sort of real, and then by the time I'm finished, it's unrecognizable. But (laughs) that kernel, you know, will, will be in there. Oh, I love it. Oh, I, that's, it's just perfect. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Love it. So I want to just um, go back to um, welcome to my breakdown for a moment. And speaking about writing, when you were writing about your mom or in the the book is, of course, uh, you spend a lot of time speaking about your mom and your parents love that. So when you're writing about your mom, what, um, what does that feel like? I know the obvious, it's painful, but what does that really feel like for us, you know, the readers that are reading your book and and we're going, wow, would we ever be able to do something like this? Uh, Was it a struggle in a sense or was it empowering or was it both? Um, Yeah, it was both. It was both. I was saying to my brother last night, because I hadn't talked to him or seen him since the book came out. He lives in D.C. And, you know, we sit in the kitchen just talking and telling stories about my mom. And some of them, many of them aren't even in the book. That are just what she was. And one of the things, and and I have to figure out how to, you know, I don't know if I can add it in the paperback, because... You know, she was such a force. And he said, I think this may be why I have had trouble, you know, sort of with women and finding sort of the right one, because she was so, the, 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 the what do you call it? The Mace. standard yep. was so high. The, yeah. Yeah. It was so high. And um, anyway, uh, so I said to him, I said, you know what, Dwayne, there are parts of it. I don't even remember writing like about her. Really? Wow. It was just flowing. Oh my God. She was channeling through me at some point. So uh, yeah, like, you know, and I know like the day the book came out, which was about two weeks ago, it was April 21st. And Desiree, I woke up that morning and I was so happy. I was so excited. And then I just felt her with me. I felt her with yes. me that whole day. That oh my God! Was a big celebration oh, at the art beautiful. museum, and I just I said she's sitting right here, and her best friend from down south, where she spent the first, you know, uh, nine or ten years of her life, and then they moved north to Elizabeth, New Jersey. This Ruth was her friend there, and her family moved up too in the same community in Elizabeth. 
So Mrs. Brooks is 91, and she came. I didn't know. She oh, was my God. Day. That's yes. so awesome. And I looked out. I wow. Went, oh, God, beautiful, right. beautiful. I was like, oh, my God. She, oh, your you mom know. was there. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's friend. Yeah, my mom was oh, there. Awesome. So we're, we're going to break for a commercial for a moment, but I want to uh, definitely come back and, and hear uh, uh, what uh, Miss Ruth uh, conversation with you, you know, at, mm-hmm. at the book signing. Okay, so mm-hmm. stay tuned for a moment. We're speaking with Benilde Little, and she's an amazing author. And we're loving the idea that uh, she's empowering. Uh, well, her writings is definitely empowering moms uh, around the country and around the world. So stay tuned, Benilde Little. We'll be right back. up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. What makes you a success? Is it your business or career? Is it your family and social life? How do you achieve the next level in your success? Tune in to Infinite Success Radio with host Rachel O'Brien Eddy. Rachel and her amazing guests are here to encourage, inspire, and empower you to take control of your destiny and achieve the level of success you were born to reach. How do ordinary people become extraordinary? Find out with Infinite Success Radio, broadcasting live every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You're tuned in to the Wellness Lounge a step further with host Desiree Watson. To find out more about our programs, please visit our website at www.wellnessinteractive.com. That's wellnessinteractive.com. Now, back to the show. We're speaking with Benilde Little, and she's uh, enlightening us and empowering us uh, through her writings. She is an amazing author. And I would love to just pick back up for a moment, Benildi, uh, speaking about Miss Ruth, 91 years old, and she attended your launch party. This was your mm-hmm. mom's dear friend, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd love, mm-hmm. to, I'd love to find out uh, how, uh, well, well, you said her daughter brought her up, but mm-hmm. what was your, your conversation with her? It's always hugs, I know that, but what was the conversation uh, it, it was really, it was really brief. I mean, you know, because I had to go on stage and talk about the book, but I, you know, I hugged her and she held my hand. She was sitting down. Yes. Then she she held my hand and she said, "I think of you every day." Oh my God! Oh. 
And what, wow. what that, and Miss Ruth is very, you know, sort of stoic. She's not emotional. Mm-hmm. I, she did break down at my mother's funeral. And like I said, I've never seen Miss Ruth anything other than upright and, mm-hmm. you know, direct and not, and she didn't talk a lot. You know, she was a mm-hmm. quiet woman. She is a quiet woman. And, um, but at the funeral, she broke down. Wow. She broke down. You know, she had her white on. You know, she was like a, a, the usher, you know, usher in the church or whatever. I think that's what they call them. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, wow. she knew how much my mother loved me and how much I loved her. She knew. So when she said that, she was basically like saying, like, I know this is so hard having her, you know, in the flesh. So, yeah. Oh, very, very much empowering. So, uh, tell us um, about your your books. Uh, they're all being re-released, or I, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, explain to us mm-hmm. where we can find uh, your writings and how long uh, have you, I guess, been writing? <laughs> how long have you been an author? Well, the first book came out in 1996. So, wow. what is that? Is that what was the name of that book? That was Good Hair. Good Hair. And then, because it was such a big seller, you know, when that happens, your publisher will offer you a deal for (laughs) many other books. So I got a three-book contract after that. And um, so then the next one uh, came out two years later in 98, and that was The Itch. People wanted a follow-up to Good Hair. They wanted, you know, a sequel. And, you know, that would have been an easy, easy in terms of – uh, it would have been probably very successful, but you know, it, it wasn't about that for me. For me, it, you know, it was about creating something different. And um, so, what I did was I sort of answered two questions that were hanging in, in good hair through uh, different characters, and then went on it. You know, sort of. But but that one dealt with these characters. There are four characters. They all had a lot of material things. And ah, right, had, right. A sort of emptiness about in, inside, and for different mm-hmm. reasons. One was because she, you know, didn't have a dad in the house. One um, was just—I can't, I can't even remember all the all the issues. But, right, um, but empty, so one, shallow. Yeah, one, so anyway, so I, I wanted to deal with that. Basically, saying, you know, when, I know when you don't have material things, it's easy to say, but. You know that 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 doesn't cure anything. You know, exactly it really doesn't. You know, it may make you you know crying in your bed in a nicer bed on nicer sheets, but when you're <laughs> miserable, that really doesn't matter. You know, so, it really does. Talk about that, yeah. And then the other one, the the uh, acting out was about a woman who was an artist, but who pushed that part of herself down when she got married and had children because she thought. She had to fit into some proscribed idea of what a a wife and a mother was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and uh, her husband leaves her in the beginning of the book, and she thinks it's because he's having an affair. And he is, he he was, but it wasn't, you know, it it, it was not the reason. He had the affair because he felt like she had checked out, you know, because she was not the person that he had married. Um, he ah. had a full-blown affair. He had a flirtation. But anyway, then, um, the it, I mean, uh, who does she think she is does deal a little bit more with the intersection of race and class, and it's three generations of black women. And the baby girl, who's sort of this princess, 
you know, went to exclusive private schools and was very indulged and was beautiful. And she uh, is engaged to a, an old line waspy white guy who is from a very wealthy family, old mm-hmm. money New York. And it's sort of about you know the, the that you know and the and the and the sort of con- conflict that arise from that. So wow, that, and that, then bringing us to um, welcome to my breakdown. Mm-hmm. What is it uh, that you would like? Uh, us to receive from reading this book. And, and then uh, I, I also would like to know, um, in purchasing all of the books, because I'm already thinking, oh, this is a great package. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I mm-hmm. purchase all of the books. I have 11 sisters. So, um, wow. Well, two of them. Yeah, my parents had 16 kids. So we grew up, wow. uh, you know, with 12 women and, and four brothers. So wow. uh, lost two of my sisters, unfortunately. But mm. I would love to um, just take all of your books and, and package it. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be my Mother's Day gift. <laughs> you know, oh. so what, what experience would you like us to have uh, uh, from reading all of the books, because you, as you just so eloquently spoke about them, I'm feeling every time you you mention something in from the book, I'm feeling it. I, I get mm-hmm. it. I understand mm-hmm. it. So, what can uh, uh, others receive from purchasing all of the books, if not you just know that- one? That's a really good question. And when I was talking about them, I was seeing a thread that I don't really, that I'm not really conscious of. And I think that is, you know, giving people permission to embrace all of who they are, to Mm -hmm. say, you know what, none, all of us have warts and all of us have, you know, an upside and a downside, uh, Mm -hmm. a light and a dark, if you will. And, and it's important to embrace all of it because otherwise, you know, you're, you're pushing pieces of yourself down and, and, and that, that right. disease Excellent. Yes. Um, and, um, you know, both mental, mental and physical and um, food, eating too much and drinking too much, mm-hmm. shopping too much and all of that. And so I, I want to give people the permission, the space to own all of it. And if you need to see a therapist, that it's okay. Yes, it is is a good idea. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that is a good idea. And so, you know, I'm also, I'm I'm interested in taking off the mask. I really am. You know, um, and so that's what the books actually have in common, that, you know, in the end, that is what saved us. Yeah. What happens is you meet your community when you show up as who you really are. You yes. know, when you're hiding, <laughs> you don't have authentic relationships because you're not authentic. Right. You, know? you really yeah. It's um, you know? it, it's so hard to I I'm imagining to just to work on trying to be somebody else and it's much yeah. easier just to be yourself. You're true yeah. authentic. Yeah. And, you know, I think because of my bullying background, mm-hmm. I really struggled with being myself because myself right. was, was, was picked on and, you mm-hmm. know, and, and hit and, you know, and, and yep. told that I wasn't, that there was something wrong with me. So for a long time, I, I was, just, you know, really struggling to find, you, you know, my, my footing, you know, and, and, and my real. So Yeah, well, I'll tell you, the books are um, awesome. Uh, 
and so real. I have not read all of them, but uh, that's uh, my, on my uh, bucket list, the Nildy mm-hmm. Little's uh, books. I'm going to take all of them, and every year we do something together, my sisters uh, and I. So this is going to be a great read uh, to purchase the, the books for them for Mother's Day because uh-huh. it can be very helpful and empowering uh, just to know that somebody uh, cares like yourself and somebody's mm-hmm. writing about things that we're experiencing and we're not necessarily having discussions about. You know? right. uh, it's like, oh, okay, yes, mm-hmm. I can relate to this. So tell us where you are in the whole social media platform. Um, are you doing uh, webinars and blogging? And what does that look like for the amazing Benildi Little, Little as an author? Well, I do a lot more than I ever have. <laughs> I, I know. I think most of us do. <laughs> oh, We're like oh, awakening up to the, the, the yeah. new world of uh, social media. It's not going away. Right. So I, I'm on Facebook regularly. I have a, I have a regular Facebook page on uh, my name, Benildi Little, and then I have a fan page. Um, and then I have uh, Instagram, which is B Little. Oh, really? Yeah, be little virgin. Little is my last name, obviously, and virgin, like a virgin, like the Virgin Mary, uh, is my husband's last name. And then I have, what else do I have? Um, oh, Twitter. Uh, so that's at Benildi Little. And then I have a blog, uh, well, Ooh. I break down, which is uh, Benildi Little uh, at WordPress. And... Um, I think that's it. That's what I have. Oh, that's great. That's uh, great. So <laughs> oh, uh, your husband obviously support you in, in many ways uh, and has, of course, been there through uh, your whole experience. Um, mm-hmm. uh, tell us a little uh, about um, uh, what um, your feeling is. It's You know, having a partner, I know my pastor once said, Half of life is just finding the right partner, 50%, mm-hmm. you know, uh, where, where uh, it's 50-50 in a sense where you have that partner that is supporting you. And mm-hmm. you have an amazing husband that does that. Uh, mm-hmm. So tell us a, a little about how this happens, just a little, about how, how, how do we all get in that space where I'm, I'm very appreciative of my husband because he also supports uh, the many mm-hmm. things that uh, I do as well. But mm-hmm. for others who uh, may have a little difficulty, how, do, how does one sort of navigate that whole space as partner and the partner being supportive? Uh, well, I, 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 can, I can speak to, you know, finding a, a partner that is uh, appropriate for you. But in terms of, the, the, you know, him being so supportive, I don't know. I just got really lucky, I think. Um, because yeah, he's yeah. super supportive. And a friend of mine who's gay, a woman, said to me, I don't know any straight men who are this supportive of <laughs> Well, give her my husband you know? as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, I mean, I don't know. I haven't done any yeah. kind of survey. But, um, but in terms of, like, finding the person that you're supposed to be with or that's a, that's a match for you, for me, what happened was after dating a lot, I didn't get married till I was in my mid thirties. Um, that could be a good sign. That's excellent. I what think. You say? Yeah, you waited. It sounds like you waited for that yeah. person. Well, um, you know, but you know, uh, unfortunately, we we have to 
cut right now because I can't believe the conversation is over. Wow, I want you to come back and share more with us, if that's okay. I would love that. It's really easy to And uh, listen, uh, again, thank you all for uh, listening in from around the world and over 20 different countries. Please grab uh, the book and... uh, you're in many retail stores uh, around the country, but you can also go online, I'm sure, at Amazon.com, right? Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Indie Books, uh, support your local bookstore, so Indie, I-N-D-I-E, Books. Uh, I'm in Books a Million. Wow. Uh, you know, yeah, there, it's Google, you can, uh, what is that, Google Play. Yes. I <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So please get Benildi's uh, books. Just go online and Google. You'll find everything. Mm. So thanks again, mm. Benildi, for sharing uh, you. your experience uh, with uh, the world. I appreciate uh, you. your coming on. Thanks I look for forward to you me. coming back and uh, speaking to us about your great writings. Thank you, thanks. and thanks for tuning in. Thanks so much for joining us this week for the Wellness Lounge. A step further, please tune in next Monday morning at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or our replay Saturday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel for another great show featuring your host, Desiree Watson. We'll continue to show you how to incorporate a wellness lifestyle and live a better life.